0: We can all relate to the amount of stress we're feeling in recent days. We hear it in the news, in our social media, and in conversations. Pandemic, virus, joblessness, economic crisis, social unrest. Our worries are compounded. Well, I contract I the virus. Virus. My Is my child safe to save in my country. country? It's a feeling of being at the end of our rope. But God invites us to trust Him. Through these trying times, we can rejoice knowing He has a plan and a purpose in these days. Using this time to better learn to live in faith, we will find peace as He walks alongside us. There is really hope at the end of your rope. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of our service today. We are so grateful that you are here. This morning, I want to challenge you with a thought. Choose faith, not fear. I want to challenge you this morning to choose faith, not fear. That's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Actually, faith and fear have one common denominator, And that is both of them ask us to believe in something that is not yet real, that is not yet here. Both of us ask us to have faith. For instance, think about this idea. You don't have the COVID virus, but fear says to you, you're going to get the COVID virus and it's going to take you all the way down. But faith says to us, But wait a minute, whatever it is that does happen, God will be there for you. God will help you and God will be your strength. He'll be your power. Just like the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Fear says to us, you're going to lose your job because of this pandemic. But faith says to us, no matter what, God will be your provision. God's the one that gave you your job. And God can give you the next job if it's required. And no matter what takes place, God will provide for you. He is your resource. Just like Philippians chapter 4 says, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Fear says to us, my future has been altered negatively for the rest of my life because of this pandemic. But faith says to us, God already knew this pandemic was coming, and it is God who is ordering your steps. It is God that maps out, plans out, your future. Just like Jeremiah chapter 29 says, when he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. God is in control. Fear says to us, I am watching the culture in America come apart at the seams before my very eyes. But faith says to us, God has been telling us for decades now, that he is going to discipline this country because of our rebellion and our sin. Is it possible that what we're seeing is part of the discipline of God? But God will not throw America away. There is a great spiritual revival that will emerge out of all of this. God will cause, he will move in the hearts of people to turn our hearts around for thousands of people and maybe hundreds of thousands and perhaps millions who will turn their heart back to God. And God will use these days to get our attention and to bring us back. You see, both of these ideas require us to have faith, either in the negative or in the positive. And God says to us, Why not trust me instead of trusting fear? There may be some who say, well, you know, I think I'll just expect the worst. I'll expect the fear and be glad if it doesn't happen. But the problem is is that fear can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Just like faith is. Faith can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So God says, listen, choose faith, not fear. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're in a new series entitled, Hope at the End of Your Rope. Last Friday night, Kathy and I went over to Matt and Shara's house uh, to to be with them and to be with the grandkids. And and, uh, in the conversation, Shara made the statement that, When she saw the title of the series, Hope at the End of of Your Rope, it reminded her of the message version of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Listen to what it says. You're blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. I love that verse. What this verse is actually saying is this. If you are at the end of your rope, get ready, because you are about to be blessed. God takes the hardest of our times, the most difficult of our moments, and he turns it around for good in our life, for a blessing in our life, if we'll let him. So this morning, the first principle that I want us to take a look at is this idea. God has not given us the spirit of fear. It's okay to be cautious. It's responsible to be cautious. It's reasonable to be cautious. When when you stop at a road and you look both ways before you walk across, well, that's just common sense. That's just being responsible. It's being cautious. But when there is a sense of a foreboding fear and a sense of hopelessness and helplessness and this impending doom, uh, that didn't come from God. God didn't send that to you. Your enemy sent that to you. You say, how do you know that? Because in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and and of self-discipline. So let's take a look at what God has given us. He has given us a spirit of power. What does that mean? God is saying to us, it's by my power that you are here. You're not hopeless. You're not helpless. Actually, you have my help. You have my provision. You have my power. The very moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God came to be your power inside your very body. You have the spirit of power of God resident in you. He has also given us the spirit of love. So what does that mean? God loves you unconditionally. God is saying to you, I love you, and I will never not love you. I don't know how many people have said to me, what what did I do that God doesn't love me anymore because I'm having all these problems and all these hurts and difficulties, and I must have done something, and now God's mad at me, and he doesn't love me anymore. No, God loves you, and he loves you unconditionally, and it will never be a day he does not love you. He has already demonstrated the greatest demonstration of all. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. God loves you. And there's never going to be a day that he doesn't love you. There are times in which in our rebellion against God, we turn our heart from God. But even then God says to us, I still love you and I will forgive you. You will repent of your sin. Then I will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now what happens is, is that when we begin to understand the love of God for us, it means that it liberates us to now love other people in the very same way, to love others unconditionally and to forgive them when, when they wound our heart or they disappoint us. Don't you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? His brothers sold him into slavery into Egypt out of just pure jealousy of him. But everywhere that Joseph went, what happened? God brought favor upon Joseph's life. God blessed him and he blessed whoever was around Joseph and and he advanced and then something happened out of his control and and he went backward again and then would he advance and backward again and there was a. But there was never a time in Joseph's life that he became bitter against anybody else, that he ever became bitter against God. Joseph understood a truth. God loves me, and his love for me is unconditional. And in God's timing, God is going to do something in my life to, to promote me forward and use me in a powerful way. Joseph understood a truth about God. God doesn't just have a will, oh God, could, would you help me? Is this your will? But he also has a timing The timing of God is so critical. It's so important to understand. Because God, if this is something that you are telling me you're going to do for me, why not do it now? Because God has a timing, and Joseph understood it. And in the timing of God, what did God do? He promoted Joseph to second in command of all of Egypt, for crying out loud. And he used Joseph to rescue Egypt from a drought and a famine and not just Egypt he used Joseph to rescue even his brothers that sold him into slavery he used Joseph to rescue them from the drought and from the famine and now these guys, his brothers, who realize, wow, look how powerful he is. And, and uh, maybe, maybe we're in danger by him of retaliation. And they went to him and begged him, please forgive us. And Joseph said this. You remember in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he said, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph understood the unconditional love of God and the the will of God and the timing of God. Because of that, he was able to love unconditionally and forgive even his brothers who had done such a terrible thing against him. God has given us the spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of self-discipline. So what does that mean? Whatever we dwell on, will control our thoughts and our emotions if we dwell on fear fear will control us if we dwell on God he will fill our hearts with faith you know the first thing you need to do you need to dwell on God because if you dwell on God he will fill your hearts with faith second of all you need to watch less news no I'm really serious I just say don't watch any news, but but probably watch less news. Here is the truth about all the news stations: the one you like are the ones you like, and the ones you don't. Here is the truth about every last one of them: they all understand that with the ratings go up, they get more money for advertising, and so they've got to get you back. And the greatest motivation to get you back is to fill your heart with fear. You just listen to the words, the extreme words that are used. Now in news, it's extreme this and it's extreme that because they're trying to get you back and fear is the motivator. And not just in the news, but the printed news as well. They do this all the time to get you back. No, fill your heart with God and he will fill your heart with faith. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 says be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding stop right there for just a moment here's what he's saying I've got all these problems I'm struggling I've got all these difficulties and 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 I'm worried and I'm stressed out don't, don't be anxious about anything don't worry about that but with everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And you know what will happen? You know, I should be all tensed up. I should be all afraid. But I just feel such a peace. I can't even explain it. I, I, I don't even totally understand it myself. But I, I, my heart is full with peace. I, I know everything's internal around me. But I have this sense of peace in my heart. It's going to be fine, God's going to deal with this issue. That's what he's talking about. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. God is saying to you and I, choose faith, not fear. Well, why should I? Why should I trust God? Why should I trust that God is going to come through? I'll tell you why because God has given us some guarantees for our future. And in four, in fact, at least four. And the first one is simply this God knows everything that's going to happen, and He has promised to help us. Listen to what He says in Acts chapter 15, verse 18 Known unto God are all of His works from the beginning of the world. Before he ever created the world, he already knew everything he was going to do in all of time. And notice what else he says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. You know what he's saying? God is not limited by time. All of time, all of the past, all the present, all the future, all stands before him. You know why he's not limited by time? He created time. God sees everything from beginning to end all at the same time. So before he even created the universe, he looked down through time and he saw you. He knew your name. He knew the day you'd be born. He knew the day you would die. And he knew every day in between and every moment of every day in between. He knows you and has always known you. God knows everything. It's all about perspective. So think about it this way. Let's say that you're in a car. You're driving up a uh, a two-lane road all the way, all the way, all the way to the top of a mountain. Now, it's a narrow two-lane road. You probably have been on those as you have driven up on top of a mountain and you are on your way and you are on in your lane and there is a pokey driver right in front of you wouldn't you know it don't you just hate to have be be behind some pokey driver i mean he's so afraid he's going 10 miles an hour you're never going to get to the top it'll be tomorrow before you get there but it just so happens See, you can't pass him because if you try to pass him You don't know. As soon as you commit yourself, suddenly there's another car coming from the other direction. You don't dare. But it just so happened that up above there is a helicopter. And he could see everything with that mountain. And it just so happens. Can you believe it? You have the cell phone number of the pilot of that helicopter. So you call him up and he answers the cell phone. And you say to him, I'm behind a pokey driver. Can you tell me when the coast is clear to be able to pass him? And he checks and he says, okay, you can pass him now. There's no car coming. You know what? You would not hesitate. You would just take off immediately and you'd be totally safe. You get around that pokey driver and on you'd go. And you know why? Because the helicopter pilot has a better perspective than you do. God has a better perspective than you do. He says, you don't have to be afraid. I know what's coming, and I already know how I'm going to help you. And that takes us to the second point, the second promise that he makes to us. God has offered to guide us through the maze of decisions in our future. He doesn't just know what's going to happen. He guides us and directs us so that we have the greatest impact of our life. Notice what he says in that Jeremiah 29 verse 11 verse, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But he doesn't just have plans. He communicates those to us. He leads us in his will. And listen to how He says it in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do. You know what that phrase means? Remember the Lord in everything you do? It simply means keep God first. Make God the greatest priority of your life. Keep God first and he will show you the right way. So the question is, how is God going to show me the right way? Well, one of the things is, is that God will never lead you to do something that violates His Word. His Word is truth. He would never lead you to violate what His Word says. Second of all, He will always lead you in accordance with the principles and the, the commands and the promises of His Word. You say, well, what, I don't, what if I don't know all of God's principles and commands and, and promises? Jesus said you can wrap up all the commands of God in this idea. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. But what if I don't know with this particular issue and this decision how this demonstrates more love to God or how it demonstrates more love to others? Here is what God says in the verse. And so so listen to this. Listen to what he says. God says to you, if you'll trust me with all your heart and you make me first in your life, I will direct your path. I will lead you in the right way, even if you don't know that I'm leading you. You see, there are times that I have experienced in my own life in which I I made the best decision I knew to make But I wasn't quite, quite sure. I couldn't couldn't have a scripture verse that really answered the issue. And I prayed, oh, God, I just want your will. I want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be first in my life. I trust you. And then I made the decision. And I've looked back in my life so many times, and I've said, oh, my soul, look at that. Look how God was leading me with open doors and with closed doors, And there were times in which there were closed doors and I thought, oh, I I can't believe what's happened to me. And yet, it was God leading me all along. And I didn't know it. I didn't realize it wasn't the timing of God at this moment. And then God came through. And I've looked back in my life so many times and realized, look at what God did. He was leading me the whole time. And, And I wasn't always cognizant of exactly for sure what his will was, but I I did my very best. God says, I don't want you to fear the future. You trust me. You put me first in your life. I will lead you. Third, God has promised to give us the strength to face anything that is coming. There is never a time in which the Bible says, well, if you follow God, if you do what God says, then you won't have any more problems. Actually, the Bible says exactly the opposite. So many places in the Bible it says you're going to have problems, and those problems are going to keep coming and keep coming and coming all of the days of your life. When you die, you go to heaven, no more problems. But until that day comes, you're going to still have problems. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through difficulties. Having problems doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. Having hard times does not mean you've done something to offend God. It just means you're alive and here's what God says to all of us Romans chapter 8 verse 28 and we know that all in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose God takes the hard times of our life and he turns them around and instead of them being curses in our life they become blessings in our life when you come to the end of your rope get ready you're going to be blessed It's that kind of idea. And God will use those problems to make you wiser and stronger and more blessed. Just relax. When you're going through these times, go to God. Ask God to give you direction and know that he will lead you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 2 and 3, when you go through deep waters and great troubles, and say if, it says when, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up, for I am the Lord your God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything. I'm equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength. Then there's the fourth promise. And it's simply this. God has promised to reward us when we are faithful to him. When we're faithful to God to do acts of love and kindness toward God and others, God is faithful to us as well. Listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unfair. He will not forget all that you have done, nor the loving labor which you have shown for his sake. God sees. God sees. Over the course of this pandemic, Sugar Creek Baptist Church, meaning you and me, meaning us, meaning the people, we together have given to Second Mile Mission Center, over 100,000 pounds of food. That's 50 tons. And that is not according to us. That's according, according to Second Mile Mission Center. We have given them over 50 tons of food that we have donated to Second Mile. And they have passed that food out to people in need all over this region. But on top of that, our own members have taken now, bags and bags of food, to 1,000 houses in this region of people that were in such desperate need, were in such great need. You see, they were praying and asking God, would you please bring food? Would you give us food? We don't know how you're going to do it. Would you do it? And we were the answers. God used us as the answer to their prayers in giving food to second mile and taking bags and bags of food directly to a thousand homes and over the course of this pandemic we have also helped members of our church who have lost their jobs or they have been furloughed and they were in need and now over fifty five thousand dollars has been given to members of our church in need and We don't give money directly to people paying bills off that they have. And I have to tell you something. God sees. And only God knows how many others that we have privately given to and and helped along the way with this pandemic of giving food and giving money and helping people. Only God knows. But God does know. God sees and God is faithful to you he sees your faithfulness he sees your generosity he sees your kindness and he does not forget what you've done and God blesses us back God is saying to us today would you choose faith not fear choose me choose to trust me instead of fear in your life I want to tell you a true story about a guy named Nick and honestly I can hardly wrap my brain around the story I I just don't even understand the story but it's a true story of what happened to a man named Nick 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 was uh, strong uh, a big strong tough guy who's sort of a man's man kind of guy and he worked for a a, a railroad station and repaired railroad cars And on one summer day, he was inside one of those refrigerated cars, railroad cars, and he was making some repairs. Now, there was uh, the word that went out to all the other guys uh, on the crew that you can leave at 4 o'clock instead of 5 o'clock today so that you can go to the birthday party of uh, one of the employees. And so they were all given the freedom to leave at 4. But Nick was in that that air can, uh, that uh, refrigerated uh, railroad car and he didn't get the word he never heard well when four o'clock came they all packed up and left but before they left one of the guys locked the outside doors of the railroad car that refrigerated railroad car that Nick was in not realizing Nick was in there He just thought it was empty, and so he locked it so no vandals could get inside, and they all left. Well, Nick didn't know it, and at 5 o'clock, okay, time's up, and and now I'm going to leave. He realized that the door was locked. He beat on that door. Surely somebody will hear me, but he didn't know. Nobody was still there. He didn't have a cell phone. He had no way of communicating to the outside world. He beat on the doors and beat on the doors until his hands were bloody. But nobody came to his rescue. You see, Nick knew that this refrigerated car would end up bringing his body temperature down all the way to freezing and that he would die. He found a piece of cardboard inside that car. He had a pen and he he wrote on the piece of cardboard what had happened. And the last words he wrote was, I know I'm about to die. Now, one of the problems that Nick had is that he was a compulsive worrier. And in fact, if there was any way to see anything negatively, Nick had uh, the ability to find the negative. Have you ever seen somebody like that? Ever met somebody like that? They're exhausting. And that was this guy. And he was convinced, simply because he understood this was going to go down to freezing, that he was for sure a dead man. He crawled into the corner of that refrigerated car. He curled up into a fetal position. And he died. The next day, they unlocked the doors and when they opened the doors to their horror, they saw he was in that car. They saw the cardboard, and they read it, and they read what the story was, and that he knew he would die. And they checked him, and he was dead. But the interesting thing about the story is, is that when they looked at the log that, of that refrigerated car they discovered it never got below 61 degrees so how in the world did he die there was an autopsy done on Nick and there was no foul play and there was no heart attack and there was no any physiological reason and they decided he died Because he expected to die. I can't even wrap my brain around that. He died because he was sure he would die. Fear has a way of making problems bigger than they are and convincing us that all hope is lost when it's not. So listen to me. Don't panic. Don't give in to fear and watch the news a little bit less. Choose faith, not fear. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we, Father, recognize our culture and where we are and what is happening to us in politics and in pandemic and in just, it's endless. It just seems like it's endless. And, oh, God, I pray that you would help us come to a place to say, God, we choose faith, not fear. We're going to be cautious. We're going to watch things. We're going to be responsible. But we choose faith, not fear. God, I pray that you would move in the hearts of many that are listening today that do not know Jesus as Savior, that this would be the moment, the day of their salvation. That they would give their heart and life to Jesus Christ in just a few moments when they have the opportunity to talk to one of our ministers. And, or they would join this church. Whatever God is leading you, you're, to, you're leading them to do. Father, I pray you do it. Move in their hearts. Move us toward faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen.